Amen. Uh, If you brought your Bible with you today, go with me to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Did we wear this verse out yet? (laughs) Can't wear out truth. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. It reads this way. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hallelujah. Are you excited about that yet? I tell you, when you hear from God, you get excited about hearing from God. Because what he says, oh, it's good, good, good. What does it do? It produces in us an ability to believe, to trust, to have confidence, to live boldly, to, 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 to have a stance that's, that's sure. Amen. You're certain. When you hear from God, you can do that. Yeah. When you don't hear from God, you can't. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of question. There's a lot of unbelief. There's a lot of, a lot of issues. But the more we hear God's voice, he is, we, and we know he's full of integrity. He's honest. He's full of truth. Man, we can trust him. And when you can trust God, <laughs> you're laughing. I mean, because with God, all things are possible, right? And all things are also possible to the one who, what? The one who believes. And so if I can just put myself into a place of believing, place of trusting God, anything is possible. I mean, the sky is the limit. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And so faith then is not shown by intense human efforts, but rather peace and rest. When you see someone who is really believing God for something according to something he has said, that's not the person who's pulling out their hair, who's working real hard and striving to get it, but they're the person that has a real calm about them. There's a real rest about their demeanor and about their words and their, uh, how they conduct themselves. Why? Because in, in, in trust is rest. All right, But if I don't trust him, if I'm not sure of what God said, then I'm like, i got to figure this thing out and got to gotta find a way to live life and, and overcome and have victory. Uh, this doesn't mean, though, the other side of this, this doesn't mean that people of faith are individuals that are idle. It doesn't mean people of faith are, 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 are those that don't do a lot. People of faith are people of activity. But it, it, it just comes, you know, we are to do the works of Jesus. Let's say it that way. But it comes from a position of empowerment. It comes from a position where we are enabled by God, not just relying upon human effort and human achievement and our own brains, our own smarts. There is literally an acknowledging of God and a trusting in Him in all of our ways. Uh, look over with me at the book of Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, there's a couple uh, verses here that, that speak directly to this particular point. And, and I want to draw your attention to them. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 3, it reads, For we who have believed do enter that rest. We who have believed do what? Enter that rest. What if you don't believe? No rest. 
So the believing person is a resting person. The, the unbelieving person, they, they, they don't have rest. They, they don't have the, the ability to, to watch, relax and say, everything's going to work out. Everything's going to be fine. My health, my, my, my finances, my marriage, my future, my job, the, whatever is coming. What, they don't have the ability to, it's going to be fine. Everything's going to work out. It's called coming together. God's working on this thing. God's, God's changing things, bringing things to pass. Huh? Our belief causes that and gives us that ability. Verse 10 reads, For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. All right? When you enter the rest, you stop working. Now we understand working in this context to be, I'm no longer striving to make it happen. I'm no longer relying upon my goodness, my righteousness. I am resting in what Jesus did for me in God's work, and it's just good. Okay, so what we can see here, the person who has entered rest has ceased from his works. They're relying upon the works of Jesus. Verse 11 reads, watch, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. So what's necessary on our part? Do we have any part of this equation? Diligence. All right, some translations use the word labor there, and they say, you got to do everything you can as quick as possible, get into the rest. Because if you're not resting, if you're not fully reliant on the work of God, on His promises, then quick, get there. Quick, do everything you need to do. Blow out your schedule. Take time off. Do whatever you need to do. So inwardly, you get to a place of, <sighs> nice. God's got this deal. It's fine. I'm relying on Him. He upholds me. He sustains me. He empowers me. He fills my life. He is my joy and my strength and my peace every day. And when you get to a place where that lives and abides inside of you, good, you're laughing. But do everything necessary. Do whatever it takes to get to that place. If you need to listen to other people like myself or others, bring the Word and teach. And if you need to do it all day long, then do it. That'd be worth it. If you, whatever you need to, if you need to cut some things out of your life for a period of time or maybe some things permanently, it would be worth it to do it. Because we can have all this stuff and all this activity and all this, this uh, chaos going on around us and not live in the rest of God. And we feel like, I can't let go of that. I've got to do that. No, what we need to do is quick, be diligent to get in the rest. Because then, other things will start almost, we might say, taking care of themselves. Really, it's the hand of God. It's the grace of God that goes into action that starts fixing and supplying. And a lot of times what people pray about week after week and month after month, the moment they get in the rest, it's done. It's already, they'll find themselves not praying about things. They'll find themselves not asking for help. They'll find out that God just already came through and took care of it for them. This is the rest of God. Amen. Now, in the, in the Scripture, this is, and you'll see this language if you read this whole chapter, that this is this points to the Old Testament Sabbath day. All right? In the Old Testament Sabbath day, they were commanded uh, 
that on the seventh day would be Saturday, on the, on, on the Sabbath day, that they were to do no work. And if you really study that to a, a great degree, you'll find out they weren't, they weren't able to do anything. And then they added to it, and when Jesus came along and started healing on the Sabbath day, they got really ticked off. But they were some real strict guidelines as to what they were allowed to do on the Sabbath. And all that was to point to Jesus. All that was to point to the future time when the work of the cross would be completed on our behalf. You know, I, I recognize that there are, there are still some in our day who really put a lot of their emphasis and focus on the Old Testament seventh day or the Sabbath day. And, you know, there are individuals who... Uh, take that to believe that that we should gather, we should worship on Saturday as opposed to a Sunday or really the way we look at it, any day. Uh, and, and that's really their, their belief that, that that Saturday should be a non-working day from a physical standpoint. It should be a day of worship. And sometimes individuals who hold to that, you might be one of them, but welcome to Sunday church. Uh, in, <laughs> but, but individuals who hold to that will will say to others who don't live their lives according to that rule, they'll say things like, uh, who are you to, you know, kind of pick and choose which commandments from God that you obey and which you don't obey? And, uh, and that might sound like a good, you know, a good argument, because I mean, you know, what the flesh could tend to do that. We could tend to just follow things that we want to and do our own thing in other areas. So I understand that logic. But really, when you read the, the scriptures, you can read over in uh, Exodus 31, for example, when it gives uh, commandments about obeying the Sabbath day uh, to Israel. That's one point. But it was to Israel about obeying the Sabbath day. It'll also say, if you see someone who doesn't, you need to kill them right? You need to cut them off. So, you know, sometimes I wonder if, uh, about, you know, individuals who push and press believers. So you've got to do this. You've got to make sure you're doing this on the right days. I say, well, are you following all the commandments too? Or maybe are you picking and choosing too? Uh, are you following? In other words, are you, are, 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 you, are, are you killing people? Are you putting people to death and cutting them off for working on that day? Well, who would you be to pick and choose? Which commandments from God you obey? Huh. Anyway, uh, basically we can see from Hebrews 4 and other places that the Old Testament law of Sabbath is fulfilled in Christ by us entering into a place of rest. It doesn't mean that taking a day off from work is not an absolutely good idea. Uh, there are some real godly principles there. But I tell you, that's a limitation of what God intended to speak to us. We get to a place in Christ where we are at rest. And this is the life of faith. Okay? Now, how do I... How can I be diligent to enter that place of rest? What do I need to do? All right? We're always looking for action points. I'm looking for action points. What do I need to implement? And this is, a, this is different because it's not high in activity, but it's high in, in, in brain power. All right? What, I'm, what I want to talk to you about. Uh, Hebrews 12.2 reads, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. What? Looking unto Jesus is, is, is a, a biblical principle and language. How do I cease from my own labors? Here's how I do it. 
I look unto Jesus. I look at Jesus. Now, before I'm finished here, you're going to realize how much more powerful that is than you realize right now. Okay? What did you learn today? I need to look at Jesus. Do I, should I get a picture? Uh, <laughs> I know people who have the have picture on their phone. Picture of Jesus. <laughs> Looking at Jesus. Well, there's a specific to this. Uh, and I want to show you. Uh, John chapter 3 and then Numbers 21. All right? Those two places. John 3 and Numbers 21. And this will uh, stir your heart to see this in a different way. And the end result will be rest. And the end result of that rest will be change. Will be the Lord actively, presently working in your life, even in the building today. Things will be different. You ready? That's quite a high promise there. I can't deliver on it. But I know the one who can. Right? Not leaning on ourselves here today. (laughs) And the Lord's happy with this, by the way. Can you tell that man? I tell you what, he's moving already. Good, good, good. He's really looking forward to us looking at him. And not looking at other things. In John chapter 3, verse 14, it reads, Jesus speaking here, red letters. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now notice the, the language here. We know what, it's, what he's referring to when he talks about the Son of Man being lifted up. What's that referencing? Jesus on the cross. But he said, me on the cross, son of man on the cross, is like when Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. So I want to take a look at the serpent in the wilderness and see what that means. So I'll know what Jesus is talking about when he said the son of man must do this. The end result being, whoever believes will be saved. Okay? Now, Numbers, that's at the beginning, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Numbers, does God believe in Numbers? (laughs) Numbers 21, verse 4, okay, Israel's on their way from Egypt, slave nation, to Canaan, the promised land, flowing with milk and honey, had some hiccups in the middle. Here's some of their problems. Verse 4, Then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. If you ever feel yourself being discouraged, don't respond this next way. (laughs) Don't do what they did. Verse 5, And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. That's the manna from heaven. A little attitude there. All right. But not, we've never done that, right? All right. Verse 6. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people. And many of the people of Israel, what? Died. Therefore, 
people came to Moses and said, we have sinned. We have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And it shall be that everyone who is bitten when he looks at it shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And I already read that. Did I? No. I thought I was repeating. And so it was, if a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. So this was the solution. A lot of problems with snakes. They're biting people. They're dying. They brought it upon themselves. But thank God, how many know, even when you bring problems upon yourselves, God is merciful. It's not His will that any would perish. It's not His will that people suffer for their sins. Someone's got to stand in the gap. Moses prayed. Thank God Jesus hung on a cross. But someone's got to stand in the gap. Someone prayed. And the Lord sent an answer. And this was an interesting answer, though. He said, take a serpent, put it on a pole. Tell everyone to look at it. If they'll look at it, they'll live. Right? So, who was it up to then, whether a person lived or died? It was up to them. They had to do something. What did they have to do? Look. They had to look at that thing. What if they didn't look? They died. What if they looked at something else? They died. What if they looked at snake bites? You die. What if they look at their kids' snake bites? They died. What if they went and worshipped in the, at the temple? And they died. Well, there was no temple yet. It was mobile at that point. But What if they studied the scriptures? And they died. <laughs> what if they gave a big offering? And they died. What did they need to do? They needed to look. Anything wrong with worshiping, giving, all... No, 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 no. Not, that's not the point. It was up to them. They had to look to live. If you look, you live. If you don't look... You die. And Jesus pointed to this in his teaching. He said, that is me. Just like Moses put the serpent on the pole and whoever looked at it lived, the Son of Man must be lifted up and whoever will look, whoever will believe. Same thing. Whoever will believe in me will not perish but have eternal life. Amen. So how does a serpent relate to Jesus? He's the spotless lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. Well, he was spotless until he got up on the cross, the pole, if you will. Then what happened is he became a curse for us. Galatians 3.13, Jesus was made a curse for us. What's that? That's the serpent. That's the bronze serpent there on the pole. That's Jesus, what? Bearing our sin. What's it a picture of in, in the Old Testament? It was that serpent bearing the, the curse that came on these people for being disgruntled, for complaining, for being in rebellion, for all this stuff. They, uh, the enemy was allowed to come in and they were attacked with these serpents, right? But if they see the curse on the pole and not see it on themselves, it left their bodies. Amen. Now, 
This particular verse, I want to read from the Amplified Bible. It's, it's, it's the ninth verse of Numbers chapter 21. It reads, uh, And Moses made a serpent of bronze and put it on a pole. And if a serpent had bitten any man when he looked to the serpent of bronze, here's the focus now, attentively, expectantly, with a steady and absorbing gaze, he lived. You get the picture here. So when Moses told these people, and the Lord said, but Moses told them, look at the serpent on the pole. How many know he wasn't uh, encouraging them to have a casual glance? Okay, everybody run by, take a peek, and be on your way. Or be consumed with your pain. Focus on the problem. Focus on the snake bite. Focus on the, the, the death that's occurring in your body. And then peek at, the, peek at the pole and then go back to looking at your problem. No, no. What they got out of this message was not a quick look, was not a temporary gaze, but it was an absorbing gaze. What were they instructed to do? Look at the pole. Look at the serpent on the pole. Fix your gaze on it. Focus on it. Don't see anything else. Now watch. Is that easy to do? I mean, it's simple. It's not complex. Is it easy? Well, put yourself in their environment. People are getting bit. People are dying. There's probably a whole lot of chaos going around, on around. There's people screaming. There's people in pain. There are people who just got bit. There are people who were bit a little while ago, and they're, they're, they're barely moving. And I don't know the length of time it took to perish. But, you know, it's not a picture of order where we say in this nice orderly setting here today, look at this, and everyone can easily just fix their gaze. Fix their phone. No, this is a tough situation, but they were told what to do. If you'll do this, you'll live. So what did they, what was necessary? They had to get their eyes off of all the chaos around them. They had to intentionally ignore the problem. Intentionally ignore all the chaos, all the trouble. I'm sure some looked at others and said, you're not taking this serious. You need to lay down. You need to rest. You need to conserve this and that. And you need to take care of yourself. Huh? How many know when a person gets in trouble, there's often a lot of commentary about what they ought to do. And what a lot of it is designed to do is get them relying on themselves, get them out of the rest, get their attention off of Jesus, because He's the one who is the solution. Jesus said, this is me on the pole. They fixed their gaze on me and live. And if you will, you will too. Yeah. Hallelujah. I call this intentional ignorance. What do you need to ignore? In order to look at the Lord and fix your gaze on Jesus on the cross, what do you need to ignore? Amen. Uh, A few weeks back, uh, we were at our son's basketball game in a 
another town, out, smaller town outside of here. And at this game, during halftime, got in this conversation with this, this woman who began to, began to share with me, without me inquiring, but she began to share with me about her condition. All right? She said it's Lyme disease. And she was explaining the great pain. Some of you might be familiar with that, that, that disease, but a lot, a, 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 apparently a lot of pain, sometimes so severe that they can't even move. And uh, just it really sounds like a bad situation. doesn't sound good, even being called Lyme. Well, doesn't sound like a good color for a disease. Anyway, uh, she started sharing with me about this. And, and, you know, when I heard it, and, and she started talking about the CDC and different things, and I started, ta- I started interjecting. I'm thinking, here, let me just see where this goes. This is an opportunity for me to tell her about the Lord and uh, how it didn't have to be this way. And so I started talking to her about these things, and, and, and she was encouraged and, and wanted, you know, at one point mentioned about praying for the CDC, that they would, uh, you know, Disease Control Center, whatever that stands for, and, uh, you know, figuring out some things and getting yada, 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 yada. And, I, and I totally went away from that. I said, and I talked to her, I said, actually, you know, be, uh, because of what the Lord did, you can leave here uh, without this thing today. You know, and, and she was, uh, it was not real. This is my, my impression. It wasn't real to her when I said this. But she said, oh, yeah, I'd be open to that. But it wasn't real to her. And I started sharing with her really some of the things I'm sharing with you today about Jesus on the cross with Lyme disease. And I told her, come to find out she was a believer for salvation, wasn't a believer for healing yet. And uh, I started talking about Jesus on the pole, uh, serpent on the pole, Jesus on the cross with Lyme disease. And, and, and I can tell she wasn't real familiar with some of these stories of the Old Testament and some of the things I shared with you today. But we talked about it, talked about it, got her to look at, start looking at Jesus on the cross with this. Doesn't have to be this way. Doesn't have to remain this way. As I'm talking to her, uh, just about these things, uh, and it went through halftime a little bit into the third quarter <laughs> of the game before she went back to her seat so I could watch the game and watch my son lose to her son's team. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but they did lose. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, she says to me right in the middle of it, she says, she said, as you're talking to me, it's leaving me through my legs. I said, praise God. I'm thinking at the beginning, I think I'm, I'm going to talk to her about it and I'm going to lay hands on her and pray for her. She's, as I'm talking to her, she, she brings it up. She said, it's leaving me through my legs. I was like, nice, nice. And she tells me about her husband who was sitting over there close and his uh, LDS background and that kind of stuff. And I met him on the way out. How's it going? See you later. Okay, game over. We lost. Uh, <laughs> back a couple days later because of the tournament. A couple days later, back and... We lost again. <laughs> and, uh, to a different team, though, so that was not good either. Uh, but we're on our way out of the gym, and here comes this lady in for her son's game. Okay? And we see her, and she sees us, and she is, like, beaming. She's, I, I, she just looks like she's glowing to me. She's happy. She's telling me about working in the garden. 
uh, clipping onto rose bushes, bushes and driving there and all this stuff and, and, and explain how she, at one point she couldn't drive and, and all this stuff. And she told me, uh, telling me about her husband uh, who said, he's got power. <laughs> and uh, in other words, she, he recognized there was something going on there that was real. She told me, because this was a Monday, she said, we watched the TV program yesterday, and my husband watched too, and, 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 and all this stuff. And, and she's just alive. And she says to me, uh, uh, she said, uh, and, and keep, so keep praying. I said, no, 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 no. I said, I said we're not going to act like you don't have this. You know, I said, we, we, you've got to see yourself as a healed person, not as a Lyme disease person. You're not a diseased person. You're in Christ. Come on now, if you're a believer, are you the sick trying to get well? Or are you the healed, standing your ground? You are positionally in Christ, and you have defeated all these things already in Him. We are not just begging and crying and the weak and the the afflicted. We are the body of Christ. We are the children of God, victorious over all the curse. Amen. That's a fact, Jack. It is that way whether you feel it or not. It is a matter of what we identify with. Anyway, she said that and I said, no, we're not going to do that. I I stopped and said, did you notice the other day? I said, did you notice we never prayed? She said, yeah, I don't understand that. I said, listen, I was not so important. I said, all I did was was help you get your eyes on Jesus. And when your attention was distracted, it was intentional on my part to distract, distracted from the present pain and the problem, and you saw Jesus there with your problem, what happened? That gave access to the Spirit of God to manifest what Jesus already purchased on the cross. And I tell you, the same principle that healed these guys in the Old Testament... Of their snake bites, the same principle fixes bodies, heals, forgives sins, sets free, and delivers from all sorts of curse and problems that are in the earth today. What is the temptation? Is we are so consumed with and focused on what? The problem. The issue, the circumstance, the chaos, the commotion, the fear, everything going on around us and sometimes in us. And we see it and that's all we see. And if we could be distracted long enough, if we could intentionally ignore that and see Jesus on the cross bearing our shame, bearing our pain, bearing our sickness, our disease, all that remains. Then what happens when we come back to ourselves? It's gone. How does that work? That's the only logical way it can happen. Jesus already took it. What we experience is not real spiritual reality. Amen. Hallelujah. These things that we're sharing from numbers, they are called in Scripture a type and a shadow of things to come. The Old Testament is Filled with these prophetic little pictures. Things that happened that later would be fulfilled in Christ. That once you look at Jesus, you start reading the Old Testament. You go, oh yeah, that's him, that's him, that's him, that's him. The serpent on the pole is one of those. Now watch. If that's called a type or a shadow, you know, think of shadow. 
If the shadow could heal people and deliver them and set them free, what about the real thing? If they could get healed in the shadow, how many could get healed in the fullness, in the reality of not just the serpent on the pole, but Jesus on the cross, bearing our problem? Amen. They were healed in the shadow, but now we're in the light. Hallelujah. Jesus told us in over in the, in the book of Luke that the lamp of the body is the eye. And he said if when your eye is good or single, it's good, you're full of light. But when I, your eye is bad, you're full of darkness. What does it mean? What's happening in my life is contingent upon what I'm looking at. This is the way faith works. Faith doesn't look at itself just like your eye doesn't look at itself. Faith looks at, my eyes benefit me based on what they're pointed at. <laughs> right? My eyes, I can take in information that they're pointed at. My faith is fully functional. It is powerful and able to move mountains and, and, and deliver things based on what it's pointed at. What is it pointed at? Whatever I'm looking at. Whatever I'm looking at. How many know faith is working for everybody today? Hey, hey, hey. Working for 100% of us. What are we looking at? What are you looking at? That's what your faith is doing for you right now. Amen.